Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on this fine Monday. Producer Joe, how are you today? And they're off on this fine Monday, Daniel. Yep. Already been a busy day for me. Up in the morning early for Fox and Friends. And yeah. uh, finally, we got some new original content up on Gino.com. Happy and proud to say that. Uh, we got my resident fact checker, myth, uh, myth buster and uh, debunker, Matt Palumbo, put up a great piece today, which will be in the show notes. On Australian gun confiscation, Joe. You know, the liberals love Australian gun confiscation. They cite its air quotes here, Joe, success as an example for everything we should do in the United States. The question is, did it work? Did it work? You know, when liberals work means did it, you know, uh, did they get every gun? Did they stop mass shootings? All that stuff. And uh, the answer, I think, when you read the piece today at Bongino.com, and it'll be available at the show notes, is categorically, hell no, it didn't work. There are more (laughs) guns now in Australia than there were before the gun confiscation in 1996. So if you're trying to tell us that the gun confiscation took away the guns, which reduced mass shooting, mass shootings, how do you explain the fact that there are more guns in Australia now? What are you saying? More guns equals less mass shootings because there are more guns now. Joe, are you tracking me? You are the audience on Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's more guns. Nothing I'm saying is complicated, correct? Right. Are you like a crazy person? Are you like a crazy person? In 1996, Australia (laughs) confiscated guns. There are more guns in Australia now. And yet the liberals seem to, they want you to believe, uh, paradoxically, against all common sense, that look, we confiscated guns, so less guns equals less mass shootings. That is not what happened. So read Matt's piece today at Bongino.com. It'll also be available at the show notes if you're on my email list, which you can subscribe easily at my website. Uh, we will send it right to you in your inbox. It's a really terrific piece. And we will be producing original content every day. They're just like this because we love debunking myths on the show. That's what we do. That yeah. is my sole mission in life. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at My Patriot Supply. Hey, it's your responsibility to prepare for emergencies. I'm big into preparedness. I am. Um, Added to my collection of prepare emergency preparedness items this weekend. Huh? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, nice. I'll, I'll show you sometime. It's cool. I'm, I don't even want to say because I don't want to wind up on uh, some confiscation list later on. You know, <laughs> it's perfectly uh, legal. I assure you, folks. I don't do illegal stuff. It's your responsibility to prepare for emergencies. That's what the head of FEMA keeps saying in interviews. I'm doing that now with the experts at My Patriot Supply, which is true. I have tons of their emergency food. It's the best stuff out there. Uh, 25-year shelf life. It starts with food storage. That's a great foundation for preparedness. Folks, this is the week to build that foundation. I'll only tell you once, you can get this Dan Bongino Show special offer from My Patriot Supply, too. This is a great offer here. Buy one four-week emergency food kit for only $198, and you get one free. Yes, that's buy one, get one free. Call 888-411-8926 or go to this website. This is for our listeners. Preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. Preparewithdan.com. You got to have your emergency food, folks. I got tons of it. I buy it. I I could probably get it for free for them, and I still buy it. That's how much I like it. Gives me a lot of comfort, a lot of insurance, knowing that I'm taking care of in the event of an emergency and my family, too. These four-week kits include breakfast, lunches, dinners, packed in a rugged slimline tote. The food lasts in storage 25 years. It's ship free discreetly right to your home. Supplies are limited at this buy one, get one free price of only $198. 
Do this now and know you're prepared. You've prepared your family for the worst. 888-411-8926 or preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. Don't forget it. Okay. Um, so we started out with that Australian gun control piece. Check that out. I didn't want to beat it up to death because I've already covered it on the show. But it is a really, really good and well-done piece by Matt Palumbo. But I got a lot of news to get to because it's a Monday. Yeah. First, matter of fact, I had to add, Joe. I have notebook and paper oh, because man. I have so many stories to get to. Big so weekend. let's get cracking here. The, the um, Iwan brothers, the biggest scandal some of you have never heard of. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, you've heard of it. But this House of Representatives IT scandal is, uh, (laughs) I mean, I don't like hyperbolic statements because they ruin your credibility, (laughs) but this is up there with Obamagate as one of the biggest scandals I've seen in my, you know, time in conservative activism for the last 10 years that many of you probably never heard of. Now, what is the scandal? Let me sum it up for you first, and then I'll get into some of the details because it's so stunning that the media, even though they love the Democrats, they're hacks, they're, we get it, they're in business for the Democrats, the media's a Democrat propaganda machine, that even they're ignoring this thing because it's so Joe like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, man. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. So there were these 44 House Democrats, House of Representatives, congressmen and women, who were using these brothers, these Pakistani brothers, the Yuan brothers, I-W-A-N. This is amazing. <sighs> these brothers infiltrated the network while they were they they uh, they they had quote unauthorized access into the emails of sitting democratic congressmen and women they were promoted by debbie wasserman schultz who i'm still puzzled what her relationship is joe with one of these pakistani brothers i don't get it i don't i don't i really folks i don't understand it i i don't get it she promoted them so heavily. Apparently, they failed to background check these brothers. And the brothers gained access into this house system with their emails, their data, while Debbie Wasserman Schultz was running the DNC. Folks, this story. Now, keep in mind, we've all been told, of course, the DNC was hacked by the Russians. There's no evidence of that, by the way. The FBI never looked at those computers. The firm that was paid to look at the DNC computers to come to the conclusion that the Russians hacked them was paid by the same law firm involved with Fusion GPS and Obama's former campaign arm. Let me just repeat that. There is no evidence by federal law enforcement entities that they've evaluated that the DNC was hacked by the Russians. None. They have not seen them. The FBI has not seen the servers. And to this day, the DNC still won't produce the servers. Now, we do know that these brothers, these Pakistani brothers, who have since fled, they're under federal investigation, had access to this house system and to Debbie Wasserman Schultz's email while she was the head of the DNC. Now, let me read to you this, because this is just really incredible stuff. Breaking this weekend at the Daily Caller, another story which will be at the show notes. And I I know, folks, it's it's a bit self-serving, so forgive me. I, 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 you know, it's a show I produce for you, but you have to pay for it. Please, please, please go to Bongino.com in the show notes. Please read Matt's article on Australian gun control. And please read the Daily Caller piece. I don't get paid for Daily Caller clicks at all. But it's a really, really terrific piece by the Daily Caller about this scandal. Here's a quote from it. 
And by the way, the breaking news in it, so you don't think I'm just generating this out of thin air, is that they weren't background checked. We already knew they they infiltrated the system. We already knew there was a federal investigation. But the caller breaks the story that they they weren't background checked. Now, here were some of the things in one of the brothers' background that Joe, on a background check, that just about anyone else who had access to that kind of sensitive data would have went through. (laughs) Here are some of the things they may have uncovered from the Daily Caller piece. Among the red flags in Abbott's background were a $1.1 million bankruptcy. Oh, that's not it. I'm not done. Six lawsuits against him or a company he owned. And at least three misdemeanor convictions, including a, uh, for DUI and driving on a suspended license, according to Virginia court records. <sighs> Not done yet. It get, oh, oh, it gets better. Public court records show that Imran and Abbott operated a car dealership referred to uh, by the uh, as uh, as CIA referred to as CIA. Yeah. That that's convenient, right? I, yeah, that I took one hundred thousand dollars from an Iraqi government official who is now a fugitive from U.S. authorities. Oh, I'm not done. It goes no? on. This, no, no, no. It goes on, Joe. Numerous members of the family were tied to cryptic LLCs, such as New Dawn 2001, operated out of Imran's residence. Virginia Corporation records show that. Imran was the subject of repeated calls to police by multiple women and had multiple misdemeanor convictions for driving offenses, according to court records. Oh, my gosh. Now, folks... Yeah, I haven't gone through an intensive background in my prior <laughs> line of work as a federal agent. Um, bankruptcy is a big deal. It's yeah. almost a bigger deal than those misdemeanor convictions, the LLC stuff. That's um, right. Yeah. Now, you know why that is, Joe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Joe and I were in severe bankruptcy and we owed four or five million dollars to creditors, we take a job with the Secret Service. You think you could potentially be blackmailed? Well, I'd say so, Daniel. Yeah, yes. You, yeah. You're opening. To, it's a very, very big deal. Yeah. You would The chances of you getting into the Secret Service with significant uh, debts or bankruptcies like that are very slim. Now, this did not come up in the background because they were not background checked. Now, here's the interesting thing about the story. Well, there's a lot of interesting things yeah. about the story, but this gets even better. Of the 44 House members that were using these guys, these brothers, apparently, Joe, there's a box on this form that you can check that says, we'll background check them or someone else has done it and they're going to vouch for them. So let's say, Joe, in other words, you're using a vendor I use for the podcast and you're legally obligated because they have sensitive information to background check them. Mm -hmm. There's a caveat in there can say, well, Dan background checked them, so it's okay. You may say, okay, Dan, so what's the problem? You're saying these 44 House members checked the box. Somebody background checked them. Read the piece, folks. Nobody seems to know who exactly conducted the background check. In other words, a member number 41 saying, yeah, yeah, another guy did it. The other guy say, no, he did it. No, she did it. No, they did it. Folks, what is going on with these brothers? What is going on? Now, to further go down the rabbit hole and scramble your eggs a little bit. Now, why am I bringing this up? Again, because the breaking news this weekend by the Daily Caller is that they were not background checked. We already knew about the case. I'm not just, mm-hmm. you know, drudging up old material here. Right. This is so significant, this case, not because simply they were, you know, a couple of Pakistani brothers were hired up on the hill who may have infiltrated the House IT network. It's significant because the genesis, Joe, the bedrock of the Mm -hmm. entire Russian collusion narrative with the Trump team, folks, 
is important, has been that the DNC was hacked by the Russians and that the Trump team colluded with them to use those hacked DNC emails to embarrass the DNC, Hillary Clinton, get Trump elected. Do you guys understand? You understand that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I know we've done a lot of detailed work on... Let's pull the whole story out to 30,000 feet. If you've been listening to the show since episode 628 and on, we've done incredibly detailed work here. The book is almost finished. We're sending it off today for some uh, editing and stuff. And it's really, really in the weeds on some parts about... And you're going to see parts that are going to blow your mind. But this requires no detailed thinking at all. The general Russian collusion narrative by the Democrats is the Russians hacked the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, stole their emails, and the Trump team worked with the Russians to spread those emails out to the media and embarrass the Democrats and Hillary. That's the story. Right. There's no further, no further analysis necessary for the 30,000-foot view. What I'm trying to tell you here, folks, is there is no evidence that that happened. Do you understand that? You can't have collusion with the Russians if we're not even sure the Russians hacked the DNC. That's the whole story. <laughs> Why am I bringing this up now? Another piece by the uh, in the Daily Caller. You know what? Who wrote this? Because I, I don't give enough hat tips. Um, forgive me, folks. I should do that. But sometimes I have so much going on. I just, you know, I get a little, uh, I get a little overwhelmed. So forgive me here. I'm just going to scroll to the top. So roll. Uh, give our listeners a little time to recover from the mind, mind-numbing stupidness of it all so far. I should have known this because this guy's awesome. Luke Rosiak. Yeah, Luke Rosiak. This guy's amazing. He does really terrific stuff. Uh, let's see. Okay, here's a quote from Luke Rosiak's piece. Remember what I just told you about the scandal? Yeah, the man. Russian collusion scandal requires the Russians to have hacked the DNC. We don't know that. From Luke's piece, if a screening had caught those, he's talking about the background check things, by the way. If a screening had caught those, what officials say happened next might have been averted. Get a load of this one. The House Inspector General reported on September 20th of 2016 that shortly before the election, members of the group were logging into servers of members. They're talking about House of Representatives members, congressmen. They didn't even work for Logging in using congressmen's personal usernames, uploading data off the House network, and behaving in ways that suggested nefarious purposes and that steps are being taken to, quote, conceal their activities. Folks, this thing is... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This stinks to high heaven. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Phil. It sure does. One more one more quote from the piece. I didn't even take a screenshot of this, but as I'm scrolling down, it's important. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was heavily promoting these guys, hey, use these guys, they're great, was also chair of the DNC when WikiLeaks published its emails. <laughs> what? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Oh, you've all been suckered, folks. I'm sorry. If you believe, not my listeners, you guys are, but if you're listening to this and you're a liberal and you actually believe all of this nonsense you've been told, you have been suckered. I can't recommend the piece enough. Luke Rosiak, Daily Caller. Check it out. Just to sum up what I told you. House Dems used a bunch of Pakistani brothers, didn't background check them, had questionable backgrounds at best, were uh, are under federal investigation for, quote, unauthorized access into the system. The DNC was broken into conveniently around the same time. Their emails were stolen, we believe. 
the Democrats want you to believe that was done by the Russians. There's no evidence of that. These, these guys were working for Debbie Wasserman Schultz right around the same time she was head of the DNC. All right, folks. I mean, really. It, 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 where's the media on this story? Absolutely nowhere uh, to be found. All right. I got a lot to get to today, so uh, bear with me for a minute. What do we go next here? All right. I know what to do here. All right. iTarget. iTarget, one of my best sponsors. Thank you, iTarget, for, uh, for hanging in there with us. You guys are great. We love you. iTarget is one of the best systems around for improving your uh, firearms proficiency. Folks, anybody can fire a firearm. The question is, can you do it accurately? This is one of the best systems. I get a tremendous feedback on this out there. Uh, thank you. Their customer support is amazing. The iTarget system is a way to take your dry fire practice to the next level. Dry fire practice is when you when you uh, pull the trigger on a safely unloaded, safely unloaded weapon. You check it, you check it twice, you check it three times. You look, you look away, you look again, you make sure it's unloaded. You take that pinky finger, probe a, a, a safe and empty chamber. And what you do is, what we used to do this in the Secret Service, is you take the, you, you, you slowly practice your trigger control, your sight alignment. But the problem with dry firing is obviously there's no round in the weapon, it's empty. So, you know, you could go to the range and shoot live rounds, and that's always good for practice, but sometimes you want to practice in the safety and security of your own home. iTargetPro will take you to the next level. The website is the letter I, targetpro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. And if you buy the system, it's really, really easy. They will send you a laser round you put in a firearm. You have now no manipulations necessary. You have a 9mm weapon, they'll send you a 9mm round. 38 special, send you a 38 round. Simple as that. And when you dry fire... The hammer will fall on this laser round, and it'll, it'll, a laser will basically come out of it onto a target they send you. And you can see where the round would have gone. It's as simple as that. It, I've seen groupings. They're really wide and nasty looking. And then at the end of the week, they go, look at this. And they're shooting like the wings off a fruit fly. Check it out. It's available at itargetpro.com. I can't recommend this system enough. You own a firearm. You have to learn how to use it. Use it proficiently. Competitive shooters dry fire more, uh, 10 times more than they live fire. Go to itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Promo code DAN, D-A-N, for 10% off. itargetpro.com. All right, folks, don't, um, don't be fooled by the Democrats' new approach to gun control, folks. They are involved in a very significant uh, long game. I'm... I'm... I'm I know some of you... Asked me some questions this weekend about a lot of what you know what's going on right now with the Democrats and the long game and the short game, and I got a really interesting. Uh, I received a really fascinating email this weekend from a friend of mine, and he's right. Talking about the the boycotts, you know, the of course they've been at for their now Laura Ingram. Um, this is an ongoing thing. Media Matters has this stuff planned and ready to go at every opportunity. Yeah, I know. Now. Folks, the email, <laughs> forgive me, I'm usually a little more direct and precise in my language, but I want to be sure what I'm saying comes across. The right. I'm not trying to be delicate for PC purposes, but I want to make sure the message comes across the right way because the email was deep. This friend of mine who's a very deep thinker and has observed the tactics, the devious, underhanded tactics of the left for a long time, sent me this email and the if you had to get bottom line up front, the bottom line up front is this. The Dems have been playing a long game. We are just reactionary at this point, and it's a huge mistake. In other words, the Democrats, this 
the, the Laura Ingram is the latest target of the left is, is nothing. And they'll pick any target. Whether, right. It doesn't matter who it is on the right. They're just waiting for the opportunity because the strategy was developed a long time ago. They are not reactionary, the left, although it appears that way, Joe. It appears mm-hmm. that they were responding to a tweet. But that, that's not that the left is not reactionary. Don't make that mistake. You're underestimating what they're doing. Again, I'm summarizing a really long email in what's, you know, maybe 10 minutes or so. But it's important you understand this. The left determined decades ago when Fox News and talk radio started to really explode, probably before Fox News, Joe. And Joe, you being in this industry, you know that I had a long Mm -hmm. talk with the guy who the program director who was actually an on-air radio guy at Joe Station one time about this. Mm -hmm. The left understood a long time ago that the politics were not in their corner, folks. Their platform is almost universally unpopular. High taxes, government-run health care, you know, endless public schools, no school choice, heavy government red tape, endless government spending. This is basically the left's platform. I'm, not, I'm, I'm seriously not trying to insult them. I'm just telling you the obvious. This is a platform that is almost universally unpopular and probably appeals in total to less than 25% of the American population. But if the left needs power, and ultimately they do need power, they need political power to enact things like tax cuts. They can't just, the left can't show up at your house and go, give us your money. They need political power through the IRS to do it. Mm-hmm. They need political power and they're having a hard time getting it. So the left understood a long time ago, post JFK, actually before that, I mean, you could argue with FDR on, but even FDR in some cases was actually pretty moderate. So, but they understood that they were not going to be able to enact this far left agenda exclusively through the political realm because running on that political platform was a loser. So they understood, this is a critical point here, they understood that they had to make their opponents even more unpalatable. I hate the term demonize because it's so overused, but it's true in this case. They had to demonize conservatives and the GOP. Is this making sense? Mm-hmm. Post JFK, I mean, there's some arguments about when and where. Uh, you know, it's fine either way. Let's just say, for the purposes of keeping it relatively uh, modern, the turn began. The turn, the turn took a began again. Let's say. And the Democrats understood that their big government, high tax, control agenda. Remember, the left is always about control, controlling your money, controlling your kids, controlling your health care. That is the statist agenda. The statist agenda cannot be fulfilled through just raw political campaigning. Why? Because the campaign sign would say, give us your money, give us your kids, give us your health care. And nobody wants that. So what the Democrats did is they engaged in a cultural Marxist war to make their political enemies to discredit them before they even open their mouths, making them the only viable option, the Democrats, that is, even when their platform is universally unpopular. It was a brilliant strategy. Because it gets people, folks, to vote against their own Mm self-interest. Now, I, I have a very unique, at least in the conservative talk radio space here, 
sense into this, having worked in the White House, in the government, having been on the streets as a cop and in, in, in specifically inner city areas and having run for office and knocked on quite literally thousands of doors. When I would go into largely Democrat communities, Joe's familiar with Prince George's County, Maryland, when I was running there and knock on doors and you would talk to people about policy. And it was amazing. It was almost universal, especially in black communities, pro-life, very religious, hardworking, prefer their own tax money. And I would scratch my head. And be like, well, I don't, how are you voting Democrat? And the answer almost all the time, be like, yeah, those Republicans just don't like us. And you were like, wait, what? Folks, that was real. I'm not talking about a small sample size either. I'm talking about thousands of doors I knocked on where some semblance of that answer was given to those questions. And it's that simple. It's that simple. It really is. It really is. Nothing more. I'm glad you emphasized it as the audience. It is no more complicated than that. We stand for conservative values, but we don't like conservatives because they hate us. It's as simple as that. Yep. And this is a result of the Democrats playing the long game and us being entirely reactionary on the Republican side. What's gone on with Ingram is nothing new. They have tried this with everyone, with Rush, with Beck, with Hannity, with, I mean, you, the list goes on and on and on. They established this a long time ago. What they do is, What they can't get in the political realm, they move instantly to the culture realm. Step one, make conservative ideas unpalatable, unpalatable, not because of the ideas, but because the people are istophobic, phobophobes. They basically hate you. Therefore, vote for us, even though we suck too. That's, I mean, that's really what they've got. Now, you may say, well, okay, great. So what do we do about it? Folks, We as a movement have to focus on basically a 12-step program to engage more in the long game as we're putting out brush fires. You know, being reactionary is not necessarily, you do have to react to things, but being reactionary, Joe, at the exclusion of a long-term strategy is troublesome. Now, we have a big audience here, but I'm not suggesting that, you know, this is, Dan Bongino is going to start a new long-term movement by himself. I don't have the power to do that, but I have the power to talk to you and you have the power to do it. Now, I think my fifth book may be a 12-step program for doing this, for changing the culture wars, but I'm just going to throw out a couple of things we can do now to play the long game. Number one, folks, take note of these companies. These companies want to play ball and get into politics. We can do that too. Want to play ball? We can play ball too. Number two, your media choices matter. That you're here says a lot about what you care about. But I encourage anyone, you know, sometimes I hear people say, oh, you know, once in a while I'll tune into, you know, CNN or MSNBC to hear hear the other side. I I wouldn't do that. (laughs) Your media choices matter. I would not give, if you can help it, I would not give a click to the Washington Post, the New York Times or anything. I would not, they they make their money off clicks. They are generating revenue off you. I I have to do it. It's you know, I have to. I'm in the conservative content. Theory. I can't debunk ideas for you guys that I can't read. And I'm certainly not suggesting that if you find something interesting that you, you but I, you know what I'm saying? Like once in a while, there's an article over there about 
whatever, cell phones and cancer or something like that. Mm -hmm. Fine. You know, we don't have to live in in a vacuum all the time. But as a matter of practice, I would avoid clicks on any of these websites if you can, especially on their opinion junk because it's garbage. Academia. Long game in academia. You donating to your college? Are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to do? I mean, and I'm talking about everything from a dollar to a million. You give into your college and your college has a, you know, a sociology department stacked with 99% liberals. Folks, before I sent another dime anywhere to my college or was where to send one, I would staple a dollar to a letter. It's going to take you half an hour to write and say, what are you doing in your schools of journalism and humanities departments to hire an ideologically diverse uh, set of people? And until you get an answer back on that, no mas. No more money for me. It's the last dollar you'll get. Thanks. The Democrats understood the long game a long time ago by stacking the deck in media, academia, and Hollywood. The only way we're going to change it and then your left will say, well, you guys don't give. We'll just give. We'll fund the cow. Good, good. Go right ahead. We'll pull our kids out. These are, I, I get it, man. These are complicated, tough decisions. But understood, understand this. The left grabbed these decisions, this decision bull by the horns decades ago. And that's why we are where we are now. That's why on college campuses, we're actually having a fight about Zerzi. I don't even know what these pronouns, this pronoun fight on college campuses, safe spaces, snowflakeism, microaggressions. This is a result of a stacked deck that started decades ago. If we don't play the long game in 30 years, folks, it's going to be even worse. Media choices, academia. Finally, one more quick one on the long game. I've said this to you over and over about these Christian faith-based movies. Buy a ticket whether you see the darn movie or not. I, I know Media Matters listens to my show. Oh, by the way, this is awesome. I'm sorry, folks. I mean, to get off yeah. track. So you know Media Matters, the clowns, the jokers, the zeros on the left. They spend all day listening to shows like yeah. We've made it. Hey. Media Matters now listen. Yes, yes. Hey. Last week when we called this... Uh, uh, what were we talking about? The uh, Oh, the citizenship question, yeah. which is an attack on, on voting rights. Media Matters published it, so thank you, Media right. Matters. Yes, I actually responded to the tweet by saying, the link to the show is here. So thank you, Media Matters. <laughs> yeah, right. You complete clowns. Yeah, I, I, I think we got some good listens off that. That show did quite well. Um, but this is what Media Matters does. This is a money-backed organization by big leftist kooks that listen to conservative talk radio all the time and they understand the long game. Well, we're starting to figure out that game too because their boycotts are generating counter boycotts that I assure you, the negative PR accumulated by companies Media Matters engages with is going to be long-lasting. I can't say this enough to any company listening out there. Please. I talk to activists and conservatives all the time. Liberals forget like that. Liberals forget overnight. They do. Conservatives never forget. Just ask Target. You go out now and talk to any Republican group. Ask them if they shop in Target. They never forget. Liberals forget immediately. 
These are disastrous moves. That goes back to my uh, faith-based movie when I was saying about that. Buy a ticket. If you can see the movie, great. I mean, I, I actually got to see Paul the Apostle, the movie, which was amazing. Again, I can't recommend it highly enough. I got choked up throughout the entire movie. I recorded a TiVo the Bible yesterday on History Channel. I watch it with my family practically every Easter now, especially the episodes about uh, Jesus, the last two. About four hours we watched. It's amazing. Buy a ticket. Stop buying tickets and giving money to these uh, other liberal movies with these liberal actors who talk about and attack us. I mean, I have no problem, and I want to be clear on this, because this is where I really object to the Media Matters clowns. I have no problem with liberal actors. I don't. I'll, I'll pay to see your movie if, you're, if you respect conservatives and, and you don't. I mean, even if you wear your politics on your sleeve, but you do it in a, in a open and fair way, I'm, 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 I'm seriously, I'm okay with that. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not going to only go to a store that has people who think like me. I'm not a liberal. But once you attack us like Jennifer Lawrence did and Mark Ruffalo and all these other people, you're out. That's it. You're done. Never, ever, ever see those movies again. Anyone they attack. Your money matters. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the long game. This is how the Democrats play the long game and how we need to respond. Now, I brought this up in context of the gun issue because this is critical. The Democrats have sensed an opportunity here. They have sensed an opportunity to reopen again. I don't want to say reopen because it's never been closed. A, a fight that they have been engaged in for decades now. The Democrats control agenda, wanting your money, wanting your health care, wanting your kids, a monopoly over your kids' education, wanting to regulate your business through you know, ridiculous amounts of red tape, which is effectively government control, mm-hmm. is difficult to pull off with, without surgically attaching you to the state. One of the mechanisms by which people detach themselves from the state, not in a legal sense, show, but in an individuality sense and in a sense of a locus of control over your own life, is by owning a firearm. Think about it. Think about the mentality between, I'm not talking about, you know, city people who have access to a police department that may only be minutes away. Now, that's not good enough. I'm not saying, you know, in a crime, you need seconds. The cops are minutes away. Mm -hmm. But there's a big difference between a minute and two minute police response time in a city and a 30, 40 minute response time in, you know, agricultural America, rural America. Huge difference. Again, I'm not suggesting that cities should forfeit their Second Amendment rights at all. I'm just suggesting that there's a degree in response times. Now, if you're in rural America and the cops, the sheriff, whatever it may be, police officers are 30, 40 minutes away, and you don't have the right to own a firearm and protect yourself, you are at the mercy of the wolves among us. There's no question about it. There is a psychological reason outside of the just King George tyranny that we, you know was in the Federalist Papers and the... You know, the, 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 the fight to basically not have America disarmed in its revolutionary days. But I believe there was a deeper psychological reason that the left constantly wants to go after firearms now. And it's because of this psychological need and reliance you would then have on the state. Because you would need them not only for your health care, not only for your economic well-being and for your kids' education, but for your safety too. There is a certain degree of self-sufficiency, a locus of control around having a firearm to control your own safe and secure environment. The left hates that. And if folks, if you think this is like, you know, too 
oh, the left doesn't think that deeply. I promise me. I, I, I excuse me. I promise you because it's been promised to me by people who study them over and over. No, they absolutely know this stuff. They're changing their tactics now. What they're trying to do is they're trying to run candidates like this Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania, who, by the way, will vote lockstep with the Democrats when it comes when push comes to shove to take away your gun rights. Yeah. But they're trying to run military type vets, people like the maybe former law enforcement under the Democrat banner who talk about the Second Amendment in a not so confrontational way, but will unquestionably vote to take away your rights later on. Here's a piece in the Hill. Be in the show notes today. Please check it out. Quote from the piece, Democrats are pointing to Connor Lamb's recent victory in a conservative pocket of southwest Pennsylvania as a possible playbook for how Democrat candidates can embrace calls for gun reform in deep red territory. He was talking about things like expansion of background checks. Folks, listen, the background check thing, make no mistake with the Democrats, is don't forget this is an effort. The universal background check is an effort for them to get a government list of gun owners. They have always wanted a list. Now, why do you think they would want a list? They want a list because when gun confiscation time, like the Australia uh, gun confiscation program in 1996 came around, gun confiscation is impossible without a list. Now, another interesting point, which was brought up to me by an emailer. You may say, well, Dan, what good is a list? Let's say 40, 50 million Americans own guns. Whatever the number may be. All right. It would be absolutely impossible for the government. It would. Just the logistics of it alone for the seizing of firearms would be impossible to seize 45, 50 million. Not, there's not enough law enforcement agents in the country to do that. They don't need to, folks. With a list, you are instantly criminalized. What an unbelievable act of control to declare on... Monday, Joe Armacost is fine. You have no, there's no government cudgel. There's no government, you know, sword of Damocles to hold over your head, right? There's nothing. Right. And then on a Tuesday, they pass a gun confiscation law. And it says, if you don't turn in your stuff and you're on this registry, yeah. you are now a criminal. Instant <gasps> criminal. There instant we go. criminals. This is it's like instant oatmeal. Yeah. Add milk, instant criminal. Wow. It's not the logistics part. In other words, the list isn't needed for the home addresses in as much as it's needed for the criminalization. Mm-hmm. The criminalization is a means of control in and of itself. Hadn't thought of that. Oh, Joe, you have yeah. a, you know, Joe has Joe Armacost Productions yeah. and you do some work for government radio, whatever it is. Mm. Um, Joe, we're going to be asking a new question. Did you turn in your firearm? Because if not, you know that would be criminal and you're going to lose that contract. Oh. <gasps> Folks, do you see the genius in it? The Democrats need lists. They love lists. It's like it's why they love the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and its monitoring of all of our financial transactions, right? Under the guise of consumer protection. It's why they love the accumulation of metadata. Oh, folks, this stuff is actually happening. It's not we don't do conspiracy theories here. We don't do nonsense, okay? This is actually happening. A universal background check, with a, by the way, that's a focus group tested talking point, would be a way to track every single firearm in the country and who has it. In other words, you get Farmer Joe. Joe's 80 years old, 85. He's on his last, uh, last leg there. He wants to transfer his firearm to his son. 
whose son, who's a, who's a by the way, not a prohibited possessor. He's a legal, law-abiding little Joe. He's done nothing wrong. Right. So he gives him the shotgun or he gives him the handgun. Say, hey, here you go. You know, I want you to get this, uh, take it over the house. I can't keep it in the house anymore. Universal background checks are a way to make sure that that transaction is monitored and they will be keeping the records on this because that's what they want. Eventually, you'd have to get rid of some government rules to keep records on a list because it's currently prohibited. But that's what they want. They want that list later on so they can account for every gun so they can make sure when they need to hold something over your head to control you that they have that ability to turn you into a criminal instantly. It's a way to, and if you missed the Levin show on Friday, this uh, I was talking about the, the, um, the sham Mueller investigation and why I think Sessions is on to something here. It's a way to investigate people, not crimes. This is their new strategy. We don't have to confiscate right away. Run a bunch of um, oh, you know, uh, military vets on the Democrat side, people who are credible on the firearm issue, right? Get them to slowly, incrementally get people accustomed to the idea of universal background checks. Use the universal background check system as a list once we can get that list together. Use that list later as a kind of instant, you know, as we said, instant oatmeal criminal. Use the threat of making someone as an instant oatmeal criminal as a way to investigate people, not crimes. Now, what does that mean? I was talking about this in regards to why the Trump investigation on the Obamagate scandal and the Trump-Russia thing is so dangerous. Bob Mueller is not investigating a crime, folks. There is no collusion. He is investigating Donald Trump. There's a difference. That is not how this works. You cannot walk into a police station and request an investigation on your neighbor. You can walk into a police station and if your neighbor committed a crime, report it. And request an investigation. You cannot walk into a police station and say, I want my neighbor investigated. Why? I don't know. I think he did something. What? I don't know. I just want you to investigate. You'll find something. Everybody has something. You know, not me. I go to church on something. No, no, you. Trust me. <laughs> you paid $100 in taxes. You were supposed to pay $100.10. No, no, you committed tax fraud. Oh, it was only 10 cents. It's tax fraud. You ripped the mattress tag off. You jaywalked. Everybody is broken a federal law, a state law, or a city law. Everyone. When we start investigating people in the absence of criminality, we will find criminality later. There is no better way to do that. To create instant criminals amongst conservative America, the gun owners, to instantly criminalize them than to get them on a list and then to one day pass a gun confiscation law, knowing they're never going to get them. It doesn't matter. They can control you now because instant, just add milk, instant criminal. Hey, Joe, you have that government contract. Hey, um, Joe, by the way, before we give you your tax return, hey, have you in fact turned that gun in? You didn't. Well, we don't want to have to file charges, Joe. We're going to just confiscate some of that money and fine you instead. Oh, you think none of this stuff can happen? You didn't think they were accumulating your metadata either if they're, uh, they lied about it up on Capitol Hill. Folks, this is why, and full disclosure, you know, I work at NRA TV. I don't work for the NRA. I work at NRA TV for a production company. I do content over there. But this is why places like the NRA and legitimate gun owners are so against 
the idea of, quote, universal background checks. It's really the accumulation of a list. And what a better place to start. What better folks to make others start to hate than violent gun owners? Violent gun, that's their thing. That's why they have a gun. They're violent. Right, that's all they have. They have the demon, which, by the way, goes all the way back to the the long game. Yeah. The long game is not... Again, to play the politics of it, it's to play the culture yes, war. That's what Change the culture first to get you to believe we're a bunch of uh, barrel-sucking maniacs. Damn. Yeah, and then use the politics. Remember, this is why I brought up the Lampies. I'm glad you said that because now I hope it makes sense to you. Yeah. The Dems can't run on their real platform. So all they can get you to do is get you to believe the gun owners are all maniacs. We're all nuts. We're all a bunch of, you know... Dopey hillbillies down here in in, uh, Florida, wherever it may be, Georgia or anywhere else. We're all stupid. We're the bad guys. Yep. Vote for us. The Democrats will protect you. But they never tell you the real agenda. The Lamb piece is is clear on that. Lamb didn't run as an anti-Second Amendment guy, even though he is. They don't run on the real agenda. They don't run on we're going to take your tax money. They don't run on we're going to take your health care. They run on the Republicans suck. The gun owners are dangerous. Vote for us. We'll protect you against them. That's why the long game is so important. It's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, man. All right. Oh, I got so much more to get to. Okay. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Love these guys. They've been with us from the beginning. It is one of the uh, best, most innovative, young, hot nutrition companies out there. The products are selling off the shelves because they're great. They've done stuff with nutrition products I, I never, I didn't see coming. Uh, their best, uh, I think, one of their best products, I should say, because I like Foundation, too. They, they're creatine ATP blend, which is amazing. You'll just crush it in the gym. But one of their best products is Field of Greens. I got an email this morning from a guy. You know who you are. He says he, he's a pilot. He takes it on the plane. I got a lot of emails from pilots. He said he drinks it three times a day. It is a fruit and vegetable food powder. I say food because it's not extract. This is real ground-up fruits and vegetables. The key to a long, healthy life. No doctor, nutrition scientist, anyone else. No one's going to tell you, hey, man, don't eat fruits and vegetables. They're worthless. Because we all know. We've been told since we're kids. This is knowledge that has stood up over time. The power of fruits and vegetables in our lives. The life-enhancing chemicals. Cognitive, uh, you know, cognition. Immunity. We need, we need, we need our fruits and vegetables. The vitamins, the minerals. But it's hard for us. Some of us live uh, really busy lives. I know I do. And it's hard to eat, you know, eight to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day. I work from home. It's a little easier for me. But for a lot of you, it isn't. This is ground up food. It's not extracts. And it tastes amazing. The guy who emailed me said, I wouldn't drink it three times a day if it didn't taste good. A little little bit of cherry, a little bit of blueberry in there. But you've got things in there you're not going to be able to eat every day. Who's going to be able to eat their kale every day? Who's going to be able to take probiotics, prebiotics? Who's going to be able to have the uh, servings of blueberries, of raspberries, of of cherry? Even got a little licorice in there. Who's going to be able to do that? It's tough. Go pick up Field of Greens. You get it done. It tastes great. It's it's it is one of the best products out there. I can't recommend it highly enough. I love it. My family takes it. I give it to my kids. I give it to my wife. It is real food. It's the fruits and vegetables. Some of you uh, just don't have the time to prepare up every day. Drink them right down, and it tastes delicious. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up Field of Greens today. While you're at it, give Foundation a shot. And if you're looking for the best energy product on the market, 10 hours of sustained energy, go pick up BrickHouse Nutrition's Dawn to Dusk. It's amazing. It gets me through my very long days now. 
BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Check out Field of Greens, Dawn to Dusk, and Foundation. A really amazing set of products. All right. Uh, sorry about the culture war. Oh, this is just one quick thing on this, too. This is interesting. So um, the online Merriam-Webster Dictionary, Joe, changed the definition. I don't know if you saw this story. No. Of assault rifle this oh. weekend. Yeah, they had the definition before where they neglected to apparently include some things that weren't politically correct. Uh So the definition has been changed to one now that resembles a military assault rifle, but is designed for semi-auto fire. So basically anything that looks scary is now the new Miriam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally ridiculous. All right. Um, Moving on, because I I got a a lot of stuff to motor through here. So California has gone completely mad, uh, unfortunately. I love you Californians out there. Los Angeles, one of my favorite places on earth, but you are ruled by complete idiots. Um, They are... (laughs) I I was on Fox this morning. I was talking about the... just Like left-hand, right-hand immigration policy. On one hand, Governor Moonbeam Brown now, Jerry Brown, noted liberal, is now pardoning from state crimes people in the country illegally to prevent them from being deported at the federal level because the state crime can be used against them in a deportation proceeding. So he's, he's pardoning people. Some of them, by the way, and I will put the article in the show notes from the uh, Sacramento Bee, but it's a good piece worth reading. He is pardoning people guilty of very serious crimes, Joe, domestic violence, things like, I mean, this is serious stuff. Yeah. In order for the, to help them in a federal deportation proceeding. So this is fascinating. Why am I bringing this story up? Because the same state of California's attorney general, uh, Becerra, in a conference, in a press conference last week, and I discussed this on my NRA TV show, would not rule out arresting the Orange County sheriff for not enforcing, excuse me, for enforcing federal immigration law. So let me just get this straight. California is now pardoning illegal immigrants for breaking the law who've also committed very serious crimes while simultaneously not ruling out, ruling out arresting the sheriff, the Orange County sheriff, because he's defying the state of California and actually enforcing federal law. This is actually happening. You understand here again now how the culture war has worked in California over decades, how they've gotten people to believe here that now immigration is a crime only illegal immigration is a crime only worth considering in terms of the effects on the illegal immigrant think about not amongst the population think about what i told you there no other crime is talked about this way illegal immigration entering without inspection is a crime Mm -hmm. now there are some civil components to illegal immigration overstaying a visa but entering the country without inspection is a crime don't let any leftist tell you otherwise it is a serious crime Because some, not all, but some of the people who do that are narco traffickers. Other people, yes, they, they, uh, listen, some do come here because they want to work, but there's a legal process for that. That's the process. There is no excuse. Come here the legal way or don't enter the United States. A country without borders is not a country. It's a landmass. It's just a suggestion. Think about this, though. We don't talk about any other crimes in terms of the effect on the victims. I mean, uh, ignoring the effects on the victims, but only talking about the effect on the actual criminal. This is the effect of the culture war they've had on us, where they've gotten you to focus exclusively on the illegal alien as a compassionate kind of almost perfect victim. And they've ignored the victims of illegal immigration. 
Nobody does that about, let's say it's burglary. Nobody goes, oh, well, listen, what do we do you know, with the guy that, that burgled the house? How do we take care of him? For Well, what about the people whose house was broken into? Oh, no, no, forget them. Well, don't worry about it. There are actual consequences to this, folks. Taxpayers have to absorb the cost. Some of the people, again, not all, obviously, but some of the people who come into the country are not here uh, for, for philanthropic or benevolent purposes. Some people who cross the border do it to narco traffic. Some do it to human traffic, to child smuggle, to do a lot of uh, evil things. Some people die in their border crossing. There's real consequences to this. But the culture war over time has the left is so engaged in demonizing their opponents who go after illegal immigration that now the, the conversation has switched almost entirely to when we talk about illegal immigration. Well, what about the DACA kids? Well, what about the illegal immigrants? Say, you know, what about the people who are already here who made a life here? What about us? What about us paying for it? What about the legal immigrants who waited online? Folks, the long game also involves changing persistent liberal gaslighting narratives. The gaslighting narrative on illegal immigration is only discuss it in terms of the consequences for the people who entered the country illegally. Ignore completely the victims of it. You have to immediately sniff that out. See it, smell it, hear it. And immediately shift the conversation to what really matters. Well, what about the consequences for us? What about the taxpayers who fund this country? What about the legal immigrants who came here the right way? What about them? When you do that, watch your leftist friends. Watch, their, watch, their, watch how uncomfortable they get. Watch how they quake in their boots when you because they're not used to being challenged. Remember gaslighting. Repeat a lie over and over again. That illegal immigration is only to be discussed in terms of the victims who are the illegal immigrants. Repeat that lie confidently over and isolate people from the truth. The truth is that some illegal immigrants who come here are in fact criminals. Not all of them, but some are. Even the ones that aren't do have a societal cost you pay for. And what about the consequences for legal immigrants that came here legally? That's the truth. But you've been isolated from that by a media. Switch the, by the media, their academic friends, and their Hollywood folks. Switch the conversation and watch what happens. They'll lose their minds. All right. I'm motoring through this because I want a lot of, I got a lot of stories I want to get to, and I don't want to lose you here. Um, there's been an, 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 uh, death, sadly, tragically, on the Ninth Circuit, even though uh, you know, I, I, I know some people tend to play politics with this stuff, especially the left. We don't do that here. Uh, Judge Stephen Reinhardt of the Ninth Circuit uh, tragically passed. Now, the Ninth Circuit um, is notably very liberal. The, the, you know, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has, has traditionally upheld some of the most insane rulings we've ever heard in U.S. history. But there are now seven openings out of 29 judgeships, and Donald Trump has the opportunity to fill them. We have got to push the Senate and McConnell on this, folks. Ask your U.S. senator, email them, call them, get this 30-hour debate rule shut down. This is not the way it was traditionally done. I, I heard a number. It was insane. Something like over the last three, four presidents, this 30 hours of debate on every nominee uh, was, was used 15 times. It's been used like four or five times that just in the Trump administration alone. We got to get those seven judges appointed to the ninth because most of the cases heard in the ninth, folks, this is important, are not going to be heard by the Supreme Court. So if a liberal, if the liberal leaning Ninth Circuit 
rules on a case, folks. The overwhelming majority of those cases, that ruling's going to stand. These are serious cases about government overreach. Most of these cases are heard by a three-judge panel. The judges right now are overwhelmingly left-leaning. So the chances of you getting a two Republican judges and a Democrat judge to rule on anything in the ninth show are, eh, it ain't going to happen. If Trump can fill these seven openings with quality originalist judges on the Ninth Circuit, we will have seven more out of those 29. The chances of us getting a sane ruling out of that Ninth Circuit have gone up dramatically. I have a piece from the Washington Examiner, very, very good on this topic, very short, very to the point. It'll be in the show notes today. Read it. I'm sorry today if we're bouncing around with a lot of stories, but there's a lot of news, a lot happened, and I want to make sure on your ride to work you get a good uh, sense of what's going on. Okay. Another interesting piece. I saw Drudge be in the show notes today. London's murder rate for the first time ever, Joe, yes. is higher than New York City. Oh, gun control. Gun, I thought about gun yeah. control. And you know what's gone up dramatically? Stabbings. Yeah, gun control. Yeah, that really works great. So now you get stabbed to death instead. Genius. Now, the whole argument against gun control the entire time by sane, rational people has been, especially uh, by me and my media appearances as well, has been we're not going to defend ourselves against evil in men's hearts. It's been around forever. The only question is, are you going to be allowed to defend yourself with a firearm or are you going to be turned into a sheep? The Democrats want you defenseless. I'm sorry I said that wrong when I opened. The Democrats want you defenseless. Even if they take magically all the guns, which is never going to happen because the criminals will keep them, then you will be stabbed. Read the article in the Daily Mail. The murder rate in London is higher than New York now. I thought they had gun control. I thought New York had gun control too. Yeah, now you'll be stabbed to death. The only question is, are you defending yourself? Are you allowed air quotes there or not? Another story. Let me just check the time here. These are all good stuff, and I don't want to miss them. Yeah. Oh, let's see. All right. We have to be the last one. We've got to a lot of material. Yeah, man. Medicaid. You know, I, uh, I've, I'm fascinated by healthcare economics and economics in general. There's an article in the Free Beacon. Very good. Very good piece. 21,000 Americans have died on waiting lists waiting to be admitted to the Medicaid program. Died. Died. Now, why is that, folks? Partially explainable, not all, but partially explainable based on the numbers due to the expansion of Obamacare. The expansion of Obamacare, the Medicaid expansion to people who are not poor by at least the poverty line measure some people are you know uh, above the poverty line by significant amounts people who are having their health care paid for by you the taxpayer those funds are not being used for other programs specifically some home-based care programs that used to target people who actually needed them mm-hmm. now those people are being put on waiting lists and some 21,000 are dying on those waiting lists ladies and gentlemen this is the very essence of the term opportunity cost in economics. Remember, liberals think simply. They think of the world, they think of the world as good and bad. Conservatives think of the world as 
bad, less bad, good, and less good. We think of things on the margin because that's how the real world works. Liberals say, help the poor with government taxpayer money or not. Conservatives say, well, who's poor? How much money? And when we take that money, who are we taking the money from? In other words, what was the other opportunity we could have spent that money on? An opportunity cost would be this. If Joe takes a job in a, you know, in a fast food restaurant, nothing wrong with that, but Joe's got a lot of skills yeah. and, you know, he's, and they pay him, say, $10 an hour and Joe makes 50 bucks a week because he works five hours a week. There he is doing it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah baby. Yeah. Joe's like an Elvis impersonator in there <laughs> or something like that. Liberals would say, well, Joe's making, earning $50 a week conservatives that understand the economics and opportunity costs would say Joe's not making $50 a week. Joe is losing thousands. How is that? He has a job because Joe's other line of work where he's a very talented executive producer and user of sophisticated engineering equipment would have paid him thousands. Joe doesn't want to do that anymore. Joe wants to go and be the burger guy. Joe is losing thousands of dollars. That's what an opportunity cost is. Don't ever forget that term. It is one of the most critically, uh, critically useful terms you'll ever understand than understanding economics, healthcare economics, or otherwise. Joe is forfeiting an opportunity at thousands to take $50. There's a cost to that. The cost is thousands of dollars. There's an opportunity cost to healthcare programs too. The opportunity cost for the expansion of Medicaid under Obamacare to give money to people who didn't need it as much as the poor is that 21,000 people are now at least partially, that their deaths are partially attributable to the giving of money to people who did not need it as bad as they did. There was an opportunity cost to that. Liberals need to wake up to that. Read the piece. It's really devastating. Really. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please don't miss my show tonight on NRA TV, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, available at nratv.com, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and Roku. Please check it out. We always produce uh, some ringer guests for you, some really good content, nratv.com, 5.30 p.m. tonight. And don't forget to check out the original content on my website, bongino.com. Thanks, folks. See you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.